Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Yahoo Sports NBA podcast. Glad you could join me. And we have a terrific show lined up for you today. Chris Broussard, Fox Sports 1, he joins me here in studio. We run through all the problems that the Cavaliers are dealing with. We look at the Lakers and their issues this year and how they might affect L.A. luring a top flight free agent at the end of the year. And with the All-Star voting completed, talk a little bit about the potential drama in an All-Star voting draft that's going to come up later this month. So stick around for that and much more on the Yahoo Sports NBA podcast. This is the Yahoo Sports NBA podcast. Hosted by Chris Mannix. From interviews. Let's bring in John Wall. He's Reggie Miller. Bring in Eric Spolstra. To the latest NBA news. To insights you won't get anywhere else. Rioting is bad. You shouldn't riot. Past episodes of the podcast can be downloaded in the iTunes store and Google Play. Why wouldn't you go back? Subscribe and leave a rating or comment. Here he is. Speaking of guys putting their foot in the mouth. Chris Mannix. Yes. My guest this week, you know him from his days at ESPN. Now he's over at Fox Sports, Fox Sports 1. You can catch Chris Broussard 4 to 8 Eastern time on Saturdays on Fox Sports Radio. You can also check him out on his In the Zone podcast and right here on the Yahoo Sports NBA podcast. Joining me here in studio, Chris, what's up, man? 
What's happening, man? It's a good to join you again. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, you being here, taking the time to come in. It's it's a good time to come in, too, because I know over the years you've been as plugged in as anybody uh, within the Cavs uh, organization. And once again, we're kind of we're, we're in that January spot, right, where January comes around and <laughs> the Cavs are playing bad basketball yeah. and players are now starting to grumble. You had the recent report that several prominent players don't believe the Cavs have the pieces uh, to win at the highest of levels. Let me ask you this first. Um, as someone that's observed them for a long time, a narrative that goes around is that these Cavs problems are business as usual. I have this argument with your colleague, uh, Nick Wright, who, who loves to say that it's January, yeah. this is the same Cavs drama. I don't believe that. Do you? I do tend to believe that because it does feel like Groundhog Day. I mean, if you go back to LeBron's first year there, it was David Blatt. That was the drama. If you go to his second year, it was Kevin Love. Are you fitting in? Are you fitting out? Then, he, you know, Kyrie Irving uh, and just the poor play overall last year. They were 29th in the league defensively post-All-Star break last year. Lost seven of their last 11. We know what happened in the playoffs. Mm. So I tend to agree with that. However, there's a big caveat this year, and I'm not saying they definitely they won't win the East. I know that's yours take. I still would pick them right now, but I am concerned, and here's why. The Cavaliers, and you mentioned the story where a lot of the players said they don't think, you know, with what they have that they can win it all or it's not fixable. I've talked to some other people around this situation. I don't think they think they can beat the Warriors. And that might be realistic because I think most people don't think they can beat the Warriors. But I really don't believe they think they can win. And what I'm saying is that, so come playoff time, say what you want about how good the Warriors were the last few years. Last year, the Cavaliers went into the playoffs thinking they could beat the Warriors because they were the defending champs. They had done it before. I know they added Kevin Durant, but the Cavs still were confident. The year before, they believed they could beat the Warriors and, in other words, win a championship. Same thing for the year before. So when playoff time started, they were at peak level motivation-wise because there was a light at the end of the tunnel being a title ring. Now, this year, if they don't believe they can win it, and we know they do not want to go to the finals and get swept or lose in five games like last year, and so my my concern is that when they get to the playoffs this year, their motivation may not be as high, even if it's only subconsciously. I mean, they'll tell themselves the right thing. Let's do it. Let's win. You know, let's get to the finals. You never know what can happen. We can win it. Whatever. But if inside they really have beyond doubts, actually just thinking they can't get it done, and at the end of you know what what awaits them at the end of this run through the East is just another butt kicking in the finals, then I think they may not play their best basketball. They may not have the motivation they need to really get after it defensively for 45 minutes a night or, you know, whatever. And that's when I think they could be beaten by a Boston or maybe even a Toronto. But because of LeBron, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for now and still have them as my favorite in the East. But that really concerns me. I don't like hearing, I mean, we can't win. We, we, you know, we can't get it done with what we have. 
So I think there's some real doubts there in Cleveland, and that that scares me for them. Yeah, a couple things that I think separate this Cavs team from the ones we've seen over the last three years. The first is the looming uh, free agency of LeBron. Last year, he had a contract for this season. We knew, win or lose, that he was going to come back. This year, with with him entering free agency after the season and all the speculation about where he's going to go and all the assumptions yeah. by a lot of people, maybe it's not true, but a lot of assumptions out there, that he's going to go somewhere else, I think that can have kind of a drag on your locker room too. I think teammates of LeBron you know, may not look at him as being all the way invested in this team in the long term, especially the guys that have contracts that extend beyond this season. That's the first part of it. The second is Isaiah Thomas. And look, nobody liked watching Isaiah Thomas more than me. I saw more of Isaiah last year than I probably saw of any player in the league living in the Boston area. And and, th- and this guy in Boston was special. But coming to this team this year and, and, take, and stepping in, in in the second half of the season, while I do believe Isaiah is going to get significantly better offensively as he gets his rhythm, when I talk to assistant coaches about how they go at Cleveland – Every assistant coach I talk to, Chris, it begins with attack Isaiah <laughs> yep. Thomas. And, yep. and maybe it was the same thing with Kyrie Irving, though. I think Kyrie's size, even though he wasn't a great defender, yeah. made him a little bit more problematic. But even the, just watch games and then talking to coaches, it, it's put Isaiah in pick and rolls and make your defense adjust after that. And that like 1-5 pick and roll when Kevin Love is on the floor, I mean, that, that that's a really hard defense for the Cavaliers to ultimately hold up. So I wonder, too, when we get into critical games, when we get into the playoffs, how does Ty Lue treat the fourth quarter? I mean, he's got LeBron with the ball in his hands, and he's looking for shooters around him. Does Isaiah get significant minutes in the fourth quarter if he can't defend a Kyle Lowry, a John Wall, a uh, a Kyrie Irving, obviously, Eric Bledsoe? A lot of good point guards in this Eastern Conference playoff field. Those two variables, I think, separate this team even just a little bit from the one we saw last year. No, I think those are great points. I'll address some of what you said. Number Mm -hmm. one, you're right. With LeBron letting this linger, and because here's the implication, and this was the same thing his last year in Cleveland, you know, when he went to Miami. It was the same thing his last year in Miami, and now you see it now. The implication is always that you guys aren't good enough, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to prove it to me. You know, or I'm leaving to go play with better players where I can really win it. I mean, I'm not saying LeBron means it that way, you know, but that is the implication that, you know, if we don't get it done, I'm out of here because I need more help. And that is never good for the morale of the locker room. So I'm with you on that, that that is a difference. And I do, I'm beginning to think, that he probably is leaving. I mean, barring them, you know, somehow winning a championship. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, Isaiah Thomas. you, As you said, you watched Isaiah last year. Here's my question with Isaiah, and I agree, he'll get better. I mean, he's played, what, five games? You got to give him a little time to get better, and I do think he does some good things that can help them. But the question is this, who is Isaiah Thomas? Because remember, before he went to Boston for two and a half years, and played in a great system with a great coach, Brad Stevens, one that essentially was built around him, especially last year, he was a good player. He was like Jamal Crawford, Mm. which is good, but that's not like the third wheel of a big three necessarily. 
And so now he's kind of viewed as this star, this superstar. But you have to wonder, was that really more a function of the system than it was of just him being like a top 10, 15 player in the league? And so I think that is an issue. And you're absolutely right about the defense. Um, that That's what the NBA teams do. You find the, the weak spot and you attack him. You find the mismatch and you attack him. Here's the thing. Ty Lue has got to, is he going to be able or willing to make the tough decisions? Because that's what this boils down to. They have so many players. And, I mean, it's even, look, is Jose Calderon better or even close to the level of Isaiah Thomas? No. He's not as good as Derrick Rose even at this point. But he worked in their offense. Hmm. It was a be- it was at this point a better fit. Now we'll see how Isaiah fits going forward, but would Ty Lue if if let's say a month from now it hasn't gotten much better, you can clearly see that Ty Lue or that Isaiah Thomas isn't really fitting in and that five, unit of 5 isn't working. Will Ty Lue have the the guts to go with whether it's Calderon or even Derrick Rose again and see what he could, you know, like they, they're a tough decision. And for that matter, it's a tough decision to basically leave Rose on the bench. You know, he's supposed to, I think he may be coming back tonight, I believe, and or, or you know, Thursday when they play uh, Orlando. But those are tough decisions. I mean, Isaiah obviously playing for a contract. So it could really, you know, get ugly. I, I think a big problem, too, is that Kevin Love, I believe, was playing the best ball of his career when they won those 18 and 19 games. Mm. And he was averaging 20 points, 11 rebounds during the stretch, 50% shooting. He's never been a very efficient scorer and over 40% from three. I believe a part of it, yeah, some of it was him moving to center, but a lot of it, I think, was that he was the definitive second option. He knew his role. He liked his role. He was excelling in his role. Now, if you look at the games where Isaiah has played, Isaiah probably thinks of himself as at least the second option and maybe a 1A. And so now Love has not been nearly as productive when Isaiah's been on the court. So they do have a whole bunch of things to work through. All right, we'll get back to Chris Broussard in just a second, but we got to go quickly to our friends over at Mattress Firm. Let's keep the ball rolling here, shall we? The base for my argument here is simple. Your bed budget can go further when you're shopping at America's Neighborhood Mattress Store. It's a true home run, and you'll have a ball. They're the head coaches when it comes to mattress expertise. But know this, they are more than mattress experts. They have a game plan that helps you transform your mattress into a bed from adjustable bases and sheets to headboard and bedroom decor. They have literally and figuratively covered up like your favorite cornerback. Go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to see what deals are happening as I read this sentence to you. They even offer you a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120-night low price guarantee so you know you paid the perfect price. Talk about a one-two punch. A knockout, if you will. Score big with a perfect bed. Head to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to get the play-by-play on how you can monumentally improve your sleep today, tonight, tomorrow. It's a great point about Isaiah and the system that he came from. I remember when Isaiah was traded there, I was one of the people saying, all right, let's make Marcus Smart the starter 
and Isaiah Thomas, the sixth man. Let's make Marcus Smart and, and develop him as their point guard of the future. And Isaiah comes off the bench, instant offense. To Boston's credit, and Brad Stevens' credit, a hell of a lot smarter than we are, uh, he, they harnessed Isaiah Thomas and turned him into the player he was last year, which, even though you can say he's not a top-five player, last year he was, yep. based on the MVP yep. balloting. But if you put him, if you take him out of that, maybe the, the conventional thinking does apply. Maybe having him come off the bench and be the leader of that second unit is the best option for Cleveland. Put Calderon in to be what he was prior to Isaiah's uh, return, and, and maybe you have a smoother starting line or starting lineup, and, and then the second unit is led by a guy who can have the ball in his, his hands. The, the, the issue there is, Chris, I think, does Ty Lue have the calliones, if you will, yeah, yeah. to tell Isaiah Thomas that you are coming off the bench and we need you to be our super sub? Isaiah, in a contract year, coming off the bench, would he accept that? That is a, a, a volatile a volatile meeting to have, I think, between Isaiah and Ty Lue. Yeah, and I, I gotta be honest, I don't. I'm with you, but I don't know if he could accept that. I mean, now yeah. he's tasted stardom, like you said, he's fifth in MVP voting. Like he thinks of himself now as a superstar. I mean, look at the comments he's already making. We don't practice enough. This is unacceptable. Like he's and and part of it I like. I mean, I love his, uh, you know, his cockiness and his confidence in himself. But some of there that, are people there, Chris. There are people. I think there are people in that locker room too. They're side eyeing Isaiah Thomas when he oh, says yeah, stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that's, I mean, that's you know, and and I mean, I've heard and I, I said it, you know, months ago, and you know, I got some pushback on it. But that's a lot of people around the league say that, whether it's true or not. I've heard that before. That it's not that he's he's a great guy. We know that, but he his confidence is is huge. And some of those comments, some of that, that type of stuff can rub guys the wrong way. Um, but here's another factor in maybe sending him to the bench. And like you said, it's not something you do now. You give this thing a time to play out, but it may have to be something you do in the future. But what about Dwayne Wade? And one of the reasons they were thriving a month ago was that Wade was that second unit leader. He was playing great ball. So if you move Isaiah, give him the ball with the second unit, we saw what it looked like with Wade in the starting lineup. He just can't spread the floor because he's not much of a jump shooter, certainly not from three-point land. What does that do to Wade in that second unit? I mean, it's that's what I'm saying. And Cleveland knew before the season started, they felt like we have a good problem. And that problem was we've got so many guys that can play. And, you know, and I'm t and I'm not saying they're superstars, but, you know, between Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose and now Isaiah, and then that's not even to mention Shumpert and J.R. Smith, like a lot of guys that deserve minutes, but you can't give them to everybody. And their, their games are such that they need to play. They, they're not going to excel in spot minutes. They're not going to just be that role player who's happy locking somebody down, happy spotting up and hitting jumpers when he gets the ball. Like, they need the rock. They view themselves as, you know, playmakers, and they are. And so it's a lot for Ty Lue to handle. Um, and so I, I'm with you. Like, he, he could have to make some tough decisions going forward, and will he have the kahunas to do it, like you said? You know, I, I never the idea that the Cavs had this depth really never resonated with me because their depth was based on the acquisitions 
of a lot of guys anybody could have had. I mean, like, you know, Derek Rose Nobody could have been really had won. by yeah. by anybody. I mean, Jeff Green could have been had by basically anybody. I mean, Calderon. I mean, these guys were not they're not sought after players. They're 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 good players, solid players, but it's not like I didn't look at any of these guys they signed as as significant difference makers. The way that the Cavs uh, can get a difference maker, though, and that is using that Nets pick. Right now, as we speak, the Nets are in a statistical tie for the seventh worst record uh, in the NBA. That that would be a pretty good slot to have, I guess, uh, if you're the Cavs. They're hoping for top five, but seventh you could live with. There's a some opinion, Chris, uh, among people I respect, the Nets are going to bottom out. Uh, you know, I've talked to people that believe that the second half of the season yeah. will be really bad for the Nets. I go the other way. I think the Nets, because they're going to get D'Angelo Russell back pretty soon, Okafor is going to continue to, I think, improve playing under Kenny Atkinson, who's a terrific developmental coach. Yep. I think the Nets could wind up in that 10-11 range. And, and if that's the case, what's the point of holding on to it? I know you're not going to know anything you know, for months, yeah, at least weeks the past the deadline, yeah. but... What is I don't well, I don't see the logic in clinging to that pick. Here's the thing, and and I'm one that says they should keep the pick. The, the only circumstance I would trade it is obviously if LeBron James comes and say, "Look, forget all this these rumors you've heard. I'm staying. I'm finishing my career here. Okay, then I'm ready to go for it." Or even if he, you know, and you know how it works, you can find out if Paul because I was told in the summer that Paul George, if he had gone to Cleveland. He was willing to stay there, not just this year, but next year. Because remember, he has the player option. He doesn't have to be a free agent. And then, you know, he would do it if LeBron would commit to staying that extra one more year. And if if those two players, if, if I knew LeBron, if he told me he'd stay next year, and then I knew Paul George would stay, if if OKC makes him available, first of all, then I would go after him and give up that pick. Um, but beyond that, here's the thing. Remember, when they got Kyrie Irving in 2011, number one pick, going into the draft lottery, that pick was the eighth worst, mm. you know? And then Anthony Bennett, which was a horrible selection, obviously, but it was the number one pick. It was the ninth worst. So th- those odds were even longer than what they face right now if the Nets were seventh. So I think that's got to be a part of their thinking – and look, I understand if it ends up being the tenth pick, even anything maybe b- below seven, and even six, who knows? Then yeah, if it may not have been a good move, but it, if by chance if it's top five or something like that, I mean you see, you know, you got some players in this draft that could be difference makers. Whoever you get, obviously, if Le- if LeBron leaves. You're falling off. You're you may maybe you can maintain and be close to the playoffs, but you're gonna have some struggles. But a young hot player who's maybe a star, that would, you know, make it a lot easier to deal with LeBron James's absence. Uh so now here's what I, I go go say to you. Mm-hmm. If you give up that pick, I know you can get DeAndre Jordan. I don't think he I mean, does he make him better? Probably. But does he make you able to beat Golden State? I don't think so because you're looking at the Clippers. A lot of times they're better without DeAndre. And I'm not slighting him. He's a good player. But, you know, it's just the way the game is gone. Mm. So who do you think they get if they give up that Brooklyn pick? That is a real difference maker where you can legitimately think, okay, they may be able to beat Golden State now. 
I don't know if it's, you know, I, I agree with you. I don't know if DeAndre Jordan moves them past Golden State. He couldn't do it when he was a, a Clipper. Why would we assume that yeah. maybe he can do it uh, as a Cavalier? What I would say is that I think DeAndre Jordan gets them out of the Eastern Conference. I, I think that much I, I would feel comfortable yeah. saying if they make a Tristan Thompson and the Nets pick for DeAndre Jordan. I think he solves a lot of their problems on the interior. Moreover, I think if you're trying to retain LeBron and you can say to him, all right, we're going to pay DeAndre what he wants to be paid. We're going to pay Isaiah what what close to what he wants to be paid. And you have that kind of core and say, look, you can look around and, and see if you can convince Paul George to go to the Lakers with you or figure out a financial way to make Houston work. But we're presenting you a chance to stay in Northeast Ohio with a, a 29-year-old center, uh, a 28, 29-year-old point guard. I mean, these, these are not pieces that are going to last you 10 years, but you don't want to last 10 years. Yeah. So... I think it's it's a short and long term fix, and I would add to that, not holding on to that Nets pick, it feels a little bit like 2010. It feels like in 2010 when they had the chance to acquire Amari Stoudemire and they didn't do it because they wouldn't give up with JJ Hickson. What happens three years from now if that eighth, ninth, tenth pick, whatever it turns out to be, is a rotation player? It's going to be a footnote in history about what the Cavs didn't give up to get a potential difference maker. No, I, I hear you. I mean, and I and I where I do agree with you is that your best shot at keeping LeBron is to move that pick and and really make something happen. I mean, you wonder do you do you try to package it with Kevin Love, and you know the the and try to get something better. I mean, I, I I'm not sure what you would get say Kevin Love in that pick, um, but you know there there are things they could certainly explore. But right now, I mean, as you know, the Cavs just, they don't seem at all uh, in any way ready to part with that pick. No, no, they don't. And, and that's going to be a real tough call for, uh, for the front office, for Dan Gilbert, as we get closer to that deadline. All right, let me move out to, uh, to where you're at these days, out in Los Angeles. The Lakers, uh, as you might expect, not playing great basketball. But, you know, they get blown out in Oklahoma City uh, recently and, and, and really have been struggling for most of the season. My question for you, Chris, is the... The way that the Lakers have played, coupled with all the drama that LeVar and and he has brought off the court, do you think the Lakers have hurt their chances of landing a, a top free agent with all that's happened this season? Well, I certainly think that LeVar is a deterrent. I mean, I don't think what they've done on the court is necessarily a problem because I think you can look at Brandon Ingram and see that he's got some potential. You know, he's shown some improvement. Obviously, Kyle Kuzma's been very impressive for a rookie. You would think he's going to get better. And Lonzo, if we didn't know who his father was, if he was just your average NBA dad and nobody knew his name, we would I think we would be looking at Lonzo and saying, man, he's having a nice year. You know, he's having a good year. He's got a bright future. I mean, 10 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds. His shooting has improved by the month. Now it's not that bad, you know, when you look at it from a monthly standpoint. Um, and, and you see when he plays and versus when he doesn't play, he is the culture changer there. He is the catalyst. When he's there, they move the basketball. They make the extra pass. They, they are more competitive. He's arguably, one of their assistant coaches told me he's probably their best defender. He's not locked down, but he's smart. He's got intuition. He's long. He can get in the passing lanes and disrupt things, get steals. When he's not there, they don't make the extra pass. It gets selfish, and obviously they aren't even competitive. So I don't think on the court 
veterans are looking at that and saying, man, they're, they're a joke. There's no way I'm going there. I think the deterrent to guys would be LeVar Ball. I mean, no if, ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I do think Lonzo needs to talk to his dad. Now, people can say they think it's Magic Johnson that needs to go to him. What can Magic do other than threaten to trade Lonzo? And I don't think he wants to trade Lonzo. I don't think you'd get that much for him just because nobody's going to want to deal with his dad. And a lot of people, as you probably know, around the league aren't convinced that he's going to be anything special. And so I don't think you have – Magic doesn't want to get in a spitting contest with him and, and you know, arguing with him back and forth. So I think you got to leave him alone. But Lonzo can go to him and just talk to him son to father. I mean, dad, like, I just, you know, it's not helping me in the locker room. It's not helping my public perception. You know, it's making it tough on me. I just need you to just please just stop talking about the coaching staff and the players and the organization. I mean, pump big baller brand all you want, but I need you to just lay low for a while, especially when talking about the Lakers. I mean, what dad, and I know LeVar's a different animal, but what dad wouldn't do that if your son goes to you like that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, LeVar, Lonzo is the – he's 20 years old now. He's, you know, got to be his own man at some point because there are, there's also the thinking that if you can't stand up to your dad or, you know, in some form or fashion, then how are you going to lead our team? You know, so he's got to show that um, he's also the one making all the money, you know, so I think it's more on Lonzo. But, yeah, I mean, guys are looking at that situation. Most notably, LeBron James. Mm. I don't – I mean, I'm not saying LeBron is or isn't going to the Lakers. But I know he doesn't want to be a part of any circus. Now, he creates drama on his own. But he doesn't want to, you know, be a part of anybody else's drama. And that's certainly what LeVar Ball brings. Support for the Yahoo Sports NBA podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at just the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Mannix, equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Well, the criticism that LeVar leveled at Luke Walton to me was was pretty ignorant in, in, of a lot of things that are going on. Not that I, I'm, I'm sure that Luke Walton is going to be this great NBA coach. The the advanced guys that I talk to are are pretty split on on what kind of coach that he is. Uh, will that kind of laid back attitude work with a young team? There are a lot of 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 real criticisms you yeah. can make of Luke Walton, but I don't know any coach that could take a team like that with so many players, Chris, that have no equity in that team. Like there yeah. are probably three Lakers that wake up every day and say, I can't wait to be a Laker for the next five years. It's 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 Lonzo, it's Kuzma, and it's Brandon Ingram. Everybody <laughs> else either knows they're on the trade block, could be on the trade block, or have one foot out the door anyway. Yeah. It's really hard 
to coach a team like that, to get everybody to kind of band together, especially uh, during turbulent times. Now, my problem with, with Magic Johnson is that when Magic took the job, he promised to everybody that would listen that he would be accessible, that he would be yep. the true face of the franchise, and he's been nowhere. This is the... I mean, this has been the, the the most turbulent of times with this LeVar stuff. And where has Magic Johnson been? How has he not publicly addressed this? Why has he not uh, come out and given a, 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 a vote of confidence, a public vote of confidence uh, to his coach? Now, maybe the, the thinking might be, like, why would we want to feed into this LeVar beast? We'll give Luke a, a vote of confidence behind the scenes. And if that happens, great. But if Magic really wants to be the public face of this, or the the, the president of this team, the, the man that's running this franchise, you got to take the good with the bad. I mean, you have to take th this this LeVar situation and handle it professionally. It's not a Rob Palenka. Rob Palenka's yep. not making the final call. It's Magic Johnson. And if you can't handle LeVar Ball, what does that say about Magic Johnson and his stature and his status within that organization? No, it's an interesting point. I mean, most executives I talk to around the league take the tact of they would ignore LeVar. Um, but you st and I, and I'll maybe Magic is thinking this, and I don't know if this is because I covered so many years in New York. I covered the Knicks and all that. But sometimes okay. the vote of confidence, the public vote of confidence, can be viewed as a kiss of death. You know, they came out, they gave him the vote of confidence, and three months later he's fired. So I given Magic the benefit of the doubt, I'm wondering was that part of the thinking? Or it's probably more so we're just going to ignore it. But to your point, you can come out and make statements and without really addressing the bar. I mean, you can even say, look, that's just a parent. I mean, we love him, but we you know, come on. You got a ton of parents that make comments. Everybody's not happy. You know, I mean, you you know, all the cliches. I mean, you got every kid's parent is complaining about the coach, you know. So you can come out and say things like that. Um, so I, I get I'm with you on that point. But um, I still feel like I don't know, like they got an issue with LeVar unless he just decides on his own or Lonzo talks to him to keep quiet. And And I will say. I haven't heard anything from him in about, a, what, a week and a half, two weeks? Yeah. I mean, it seems like this is the longest stretch we've gone without hearing from LeVar Ball. So you hope, if you're a Lakers fan, that maybe this is the start of something new. But I doubt it. But it's something they're going to have to deal with. And I'll say this. It's not so much Lakers-related, but LeVar Ball is creating a situation where I think potentially if Lonzo isn't special – he could be out of the league. And I don't mean like the Lakers will cut him, but I'm just saying down the line, if he just settles into being like a good player, you know, a Jeff Teague level, I mean, he's a totally different type of player, but say he's right. a Jeff Teague level player, I think he might not be in the league because what team is going to want to put up with the circus that is LeVar Ball just for a pretty good player? You know, it's like Colin Kaepernick in the NFL. No doubt he should be in the NFL. Could be starting on some teams. But he's not that type of difference maker that you just got to have and you're willing to put up with all the other stuff that comes with him just to have him. And I think if LeVar doesn't settle down, uh, that could become the case with Lonzo if he doesn't prove to be a great player. Yeah, I mean, like, his LeVar's power early um, and I had one executive bring this up to me. He said, imagine if Lonzo went to the Phoenix Suns. Like, LeVar would be the GM right now. Like, he would be 
the president of basketball yeah. operations de facto, or like the Sacramento Kings, like yeah. ownership would give him a piece of the team at this point to <laughs> to keep him happy. Like the Lakers, for all their flaws, uh, you know, are maybe more equipped to handle him than 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 other teams are. But I'm with you there. Like if it if Lonzo turns out to be kind of like a low thirty ish three point shooter who is a decent starter in this league, you know, teams are going to to, to value him at a lesser level because of. Of the app, of the stuff that comes with him, it's like any bit of baggage that comes with yep. a player. I mean, yep. they they look at it and say, you know, maybe he's he's just not worth. It. I, I will say this though, I, I think he's got a, a decent chance of being special. I, I just I agree. Yeah. I, I look at him and the, the court vision stuff you can't teach. The rebounding is excellent. The playmaking is really good. And if you look at his numbers from December and most of January, that shot started to come around. Yep. And Chris, if he's if he's shooting in the high thirties from three at, by the end of this season. He's not going to have to change his shot. I don't care how many people out there say he has to change it. You can be a wacky-looking jump shooter and make it in this league. As long as that shot's going in, and it has been for for longer stretches in December and January, he's going to have many summers ahead to kind of figure this thing out. If he can make that shot at a mid-to-high mid 30s clip, he's going to be something. I, I really believe that. No, I agree. I, I, I like him a lot. Like I said, if we didn't know his, who his dad was, I think most people would be looking at him saying, yeah, he, he can be special. He's, he's having a great season or a very good season for a rookie. And I've said it before. I mean, there are Hall of Fame point guards or close to Hall of Fame point guards who started out. So, I mean, Chauncey Billups was a bust for, what, four or five years before he settled in in Detroit. John Stockton didn't start for like a year and a half. Steve Nash, it was like two and a half years. Gary Payton, 8.6 assists his first two years. Like, this is not that unusual for point guards. I think some people get caught up in we're so used now to the best point guards in the league being big-time scores, 25 points a game, that we see a guy who's more of a traditional point and people are worried about him. I'm not worried about the three-point shot. I don't, I mean, I don't know how you can have two different forms so I, I take this for what it's worth, but I've never felt that much concern about his three-point shot. My concern is the mid-range shot. Mm. And because the way he shoots it now, you just can't get it off going right because you got to bring it back to your left. There was a game, I, I can't remember who they were playing, but it was in overtime. And he in overtime, he drove right pulled up from the elbow about 15 feet and picture perfect form on a jumper that he sank. I talked to some of the Lakers coaches about it. They were all like, yeah, that was, we were all like, wow, that was like a perfect shot. I don't know if he's working on that or not, but if he can do that, cause he can, you know, he's a decent finisher at the rim. He'll get better at it for sure. If he can add that mid range game too, just to keep people honest, then I really think he could be a very good player. And I, I think even even without it, maybe he can certainly be special. All right, let me finish with this. Uh, as we've been speaking, um, the Cavaliers, or sorry, the NBA All-Star uh, balloting came out, and the Cavaliers, LeBron James, Golden State's uh, Steph Curry, they are the two leading vote-getters, which means they'll be the captains uh, selecting uh, these two teams, which is pretty much what we all wanted, right? We yeah, wanted LeBron <laughs> doing this. We wanted Curry uh, doing this, KD already said he wanted no part of it. So Steph, you know, gets the uh, the nod in uh, in picking these teams. As you look at the the draft, which by the way, I think we both can agree, big mistake not televising this. I understand why, but I mean that would be must see no, TV. Exactly. I mean, if, you, if you're TV gonna that, do it, 
and and I'm not really a huge fan of it. I I, I thought it was fine the way it was. My problem with the All Star Game is they just take way too many threes and mm-hmm. aren't really p- playing hard. But I but if you do do this, if you're gonna do it, like you said, televise it. I mean, people would be totally into that. So I'm with you on that point. Now, it, it, as you look at, at Curry and Durant picking teams, or Curry and, and Steph picking teams, get, what what's the most interesting part of this to you? Is it LeBron and Kyrie? Uh, does Curry? pass on one of his warrior guys early on? I mean, what's what's the most interesting part to you? That's a good question. I was I thought you were going to ask who I'd take. Either one of them, I'm taking Durant. Mm. But I would love to see LeBron and Durant together. Um, that would be great. But, yeah, I, I, I think you probably have to say LeBron and Kyrie. Because, and you're right. I mean, if Curry, how long can he go before he picks Clay? <laughs> you know? I mean, that's a serious – Thing and obviously that's why Durant wanted no part of it, but I kind of feel like if you're Steph, you're, you're at least Clay's got to be probably in the top five. <laughs> like he's got to be that first guard, that off guard that you take, you know. And it makes sense because he he's a great fit with Steph. But um, yeah, I, where at, does LeBron pick Kyrie? Because Steph doesn't need to pick him, right? You know, so will LeBron at some point pick him? Uh, and I, I mean, I guess he'd have to if Steph doesn't do it. But yeah, I think that's probably the most interesting thing to me. I don't. I don't think Kyrie wants LeBron to pick him. <laughs> no, I, I would agree with you on that. <laughs> I don't think he. Wants but to do be you think team. Steph maybe would take him? But I, you know, uh, it, that's an interesting situation. No question. I think Steph's going to take the easy way out. I think he's going to take all of his guys that are available right off the top. I think he's going to go KD. Clay Draymond. Do you and think Dray? So you think Draymond will make it if he makes it? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's the question. I don't know. I I, I kind of just assume that for for a bit there, but I, I think he takes his guys first and then let's. Well, you just know that that brings about an interesting situation. Let's say hypothetically he did do that. He could get those four guys. You could have a situation where you've got, I mean, essentially the Warriors against. <laughs> To, to a, an all-star team, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that would that might be, I mean, look, the problem is if they would play hard, and maybe they will, who knows, but if they would really play hard and, and play a real game, I would love to see that. Mm. The Warriors, start four, the big four in Golden State and whoever you throw in as the fifth guy against LeBron and his hand-picked all-stars. That'd be something to watch. <laughs> Who who'd you take in that? Uh I I'd I'd probably take the All Stars, but it's close. I like think it's a good game. Well, you know, I think that might be a scenario where guys would play hard. Mm. Don't you think I mean, we they can always write it off as it's just an all star game, who cares? But I guys have pride. And I I would think there'd be some pride in saying, look, we're not going to let those guys beat us, especially if the Warriors could start. Like if those four, well, they won't start. So that's that's the problem. If I you say can this, start them. I, I say this only half kiddingly, but would it surprise me at all if LeBron's teammates are made up of every member of of the free agent class of 2018. Like he's got Paul George if Paul George winds up on the team. He's got cousins who made the team. 
as a starter. He just like, takes all these guys <laughs> to let him know. He's like, I got your back, man. So when we hit the summer, you That's make sure right. you call me before you make any decisions so we can figure out what we all want to do. You know this as well as I do, Chris. LeBron, he loves chaos out there. He likes to kind of move the chess pieces around the board in his own way when he is ultimately able to do it. And that would be such a, a LeBron-type move to see anybody that might be a free agent at, at, in next summer wind up on his team. That's a great point. And you're right. I mean, LeBron, there are a lot of people in Cleveland, they think he thrives in dysfunction. Yeah. You know, and, and he, he obviously creates a lot of this himself in Cleveland. But if, if, we, if we go on his history, we also have to admit, when he leaves, it never ends well. You know, when he left yeah. Cleveland, when he left Miami – and you wonder if, if like, let's say they don't make a big splash at the deadline and he feels like they can't win it, what will they? What will their second half be like? You know, that, that'll be interesting. I don't know. I mean, it, it's not, not to look too far ahead, but I don't know where he goes that gets him where he wants to be. That's like, where I'm with you. Like, I, I do have what I think is a, is a good answer mm. and the strongest answer, in my opinion, San Antonio. Yeah. Now, I don't think he would go there just because it's San Antonio. But, I mean, you know, look, the Spurs, I won't say they're on the Warriors level, but they play them tough with what they have. If you, assuming Kawhi is going to be fine, if you got LeBron, Kawhi, Aldridge, and, you know, their host of role players, I got to be honest, I would yeah. put them on Golden State's level. I will put them right there. I feel like it'd be a pick em to see who comes out of the West. Um, one thing I always say about LeBron, and this is with all due respect to Eric Spolstra, Mike Brown, Ty Lue, you know, he's had some very good coaches, but he's never had that all-time great iconic coach. Magic had Pat Riley. Jordan had Phil Jackson. Shaq had both of them. Duncan had uh, Popovich. And, of course, uh, Kobe had Phil Jackson. In fact, all but Magic, the rest of those guys never won a ring without one of those iconic coaches. And Magic won four of his five with Pat Riley. I think if LeBron was in San Antonio, I think Greg Popovich is one of the few coaches that has the credibility to really coach LeBron and make him do what is best for the team. Play in the system that's best for us to beat Golden State and win it all. I would love to see that. I think that would be – that's the only team, like, if he went to, that I would say, okay, they're right there. Like, I don't know who I'm picking between them, them and Golden State. If he goes to Houston, I give him a shot, but I'm still probably picking the Warriors. Obviously, anybody in the East, same way. So, uh, yeah, you're right, though. It's, that's the interesting thing about his free agency. I'm trying to envision LeBron in that San Antonio system, and he's been such a ball-dominant guy mm -hmm. for for his entire career. I mean, that's that's the opposite of that. I mean, yeah, no, I, I and that's when I, like, and you know Pop, I mean, he switched, you know, it was the Twin Towers, then yeah. Tony Parker was the, the focal point, then the three-point shooting, now, you know, more ISO with Aldridge and, and uh, Leonard. Like, I think Pop would figure something out, and you're right, I mean, LeBron is a system unto himself. And that's great, and it can beat most teams. It can't beat the Warriors. It can't beat a team that's talented and plays together and moves the ball and can shoot. I mean, we saw that in 2014 with Miami. 
Miami and San Antonio. That that Spurs team, I mean, Duncan was, you know, a shell of himself, even though he played well. He wasn't Tim Duncan. Ginobili was still old. You know, he still played many years since then, but he was old even then. And Parker wasn't quite in his prime. And then you had a bunch of role players, and they ran circles around the Heat because as great as LeBron is, his system can't beat those types of teams. And so that's what Jordan learned under Phil. I mean, he he didn't want to do the triangle, but he saw that that was the way we could win. And, I mean, it's tough in your 15th or what would be his 16th year to do that, but I think that's what LeBron needs if he's going to ever have a real chance to beat Golden State. Yeah, it would certainly give him maybe the best chance, but, man, it's tough tough, tough sledding out there with Golden State oh, going to be man. at the top for for a while. You can catch Chris Broussard uh, most days on Fox Sports 1, a number of the shows every single day. Saturdays, 4 to 8 Eastern time on Fox Sports Radio. Also, check out his podcast. Terrific job there in the Zone podcast. Chris, as always, man, thanks for joining me here in the studio. Thanks, my man. Anytime. Enjoyed it. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you. 